Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, expectations of a new trade deal with the UK by the end of the year. The broad outlines are, are, are pretty clear. Uh, we just need to, to get on and do it if we can. The Liberals face ethics questions over some hiring decisions. It is uh, unacceptable and I expect uh, there to be uh, a thorough follow-up by the House administration on this. And could we see a carbon border tax under a Biden presidency? It's in his platform that there was this carbon border adjustment. That essentially means if you're a polluting country in inverted commas, then you would see a tariff at the U.S. border. It's Thursday, November the 12th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. John, thank you for joining us. Morning, Mark. Let's start by touching briefly on the situation with the pandemic. The Prime Minister was saying yesterday that many of the benefits that are being provided to Canadians who are out of work during the pandemic should not be seen as permanent changes to the social safety net. Uh, There are small businesses now that are saying they're at risk of permanently closing if the government doesn't do more to help them stay open as a second wave continues. In Ontario, there was a record number of cases yesterday, uh, and we're seeing that in other parts of North America as well. Uh, So the second wave is in full uh, swing. The temperature's getting colder. People are going to be spending more time inside, so it's going to impact businesses. It's going to impact uh, people's quality of life. Uh, And all of this is happening while there is talk of a vaccine, but it's still not clear how soon that would be available to Canadians. So we're at a pretty crucial juncture here in the fight against the coronavirus, aren't we? Yeah, and I do think that uh, the next four months or so are going to be very tough. But I I saw a very uh, kind of inspiring tweet, a couple of tweets actually, by uh, Professor Debbie Sridhar, who's the professor of uh, global health at Edinburgh University Medical School, she's kind of deemed to be one of the gurus on this subject. And she, you know, she said, while the next four months are going to be rough, it will be massively better by March because of potential vaccines, better testing and treatments, and increased understanding of how it's all transmitted. So, you know, the message is hold out till spring. And then one of our own experts, David Fisman, retweeted that. So this is exactly right. Uh, this is not the new normal, and it's not open-ended. He said, pandemics have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and we're in the middle. So I do think that for for everybody, including businesses, you know, if you're planning the next, your business, you've got to know that this is not going to be forever, and that if you can get over this, the hurdle of the next four months, it is very likely that things are going to be much, much better in the spring. So I do think that... Um, you know, the vaccine news, at least it gave us some hope that we were at the beginning of the end. And I think that that is, that is what should sustain people. All right, let's turn to the prospect of a trade deal with the United Kingdom. There is talk that it could happen by the end of the year. This is necessitated, of course, by Brexit and the fact that Canada will now be dealing separately with the UK from the European community. Uh, so uh, what are you hearing about that? What do you think the likelihood is of... Uh, a reasonable trade deal for Canada in the near future? Well, I think uh, Justin Trudeau said that it should be easy and done by the end of the year, so I suspect it will be done by the end of the year. I mean, I've talked to people uh, who are at the sharp end of this negotiation. When the UK is pulling out of Brexit, it is scrambling to get deals with with um, Australia, with Canada, with whoever. The, the Canadian one is just about the easiest because they were party to the EU deal and in their eyes, we'll just 
take everything that was offered to Europe. You know, essentially just translate that into a new agreement, but just put uh, the signature being the UK, not not Europe. And Canada's turning around and going, why should we give you exactly the same terms that we gave to Europe? We want a tougher deal because you're the you're the folks that are in the in the tough spot. So, so the the UK, you know, Boris Johnson told people, yes, we'll get a deal with Europe, with uh, Canada, and it'll be exactly the same as the one with Europe. Well, there's no incentive for Canada to to offer those same generous terms. You know, we gave up a lot to get that deal, uh, be it in uh, imports of seafood or whatever it might be. You know, you, you, everybody gives something to get a deal. And now the UK wants a deal, and why should we give up what we gave up to Europe? So I think that uh, essentially it's up to the UK to swallow the fact that they, they're not in a great negotiating position. All right, let's turn to some news recently about people working in, in Liberal MPs and Cabinet Ministers' offices. There's been some scrutiny on this in the past week. Of course, there was a Toronto MP who left the Liberal caucus because she had hired her sister to work in her constituency office. And, and now there's a story about a screen that's been put in place because uh, the a policy advisor to Finance Minister and Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland is married to a lobbyist who who lobbies the government on behalf of corporate interests. Um, uh, there's no allegation of, of improprieties there or, or bad behavior, but it's another example of the dynamics that exist sometimes when, when there are people and, and relationships in and out of MPs and cabinet ministers' offices. Right, and I think, you know, this seems to tend to happen more to the, to the Liberal Party than, than to other parties. You know, I think a lot of... Uh, there's nothing particularly wrong with setting up a screen. That's meant to, to avoid any problems. Um, and, in, and in this case, with uh, Christy Freeland's advisor, there's no suggestion that anybody's done anything wrong. Um, and people have got a, a right to earn a living. But, um, you know, we've seen in the past where there have been allegations that things have gone wrong. Um, Katie Telford, the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff, and her husband, who has been lobbying, in some cases he's been alleged to have lobbied without registering or without uh, clearing some of his approaches to the Department of Finance. So you can get into problems in this in this area. With the MP, you know, there was a, there was a suggestion of nepotism. People have been uh, satirising that and joking about it and saying, well, perhaps he should, she should just have made sure she was getting paid through a, a speaker's agency as the Prime Minister's family did, and then it would all be OK. Um, I think the bottom line is that... Um, the Liberals have seemed to get in a lot of trouble because they seem to believe that because they view their own intentions as honourable, they're therefore not going to get into trouble. And of course they do sometimes. And I wrote the book about Trudeau and I kept uh, referring to the vision of the anointed. And this was this uh, idea by this American conservative thinker, Thomas Sowell, that, um, that Liberals in general tend to believe they're in this kind of special state of grace where uh, the, the people who accept that vision are deemed not to be just to be factually correct, but morally on a higher plane, and those that disagree with them are not merely in error, but in sin. And I do think that they, the, the Liberals often do get too high on their own moral high ground, and that sometimes leads them into ethical problems. I mean, we're, we're, how other, else can you explain the fact that the Prime Minister is now about to get his knuckles wrapped for the third time by the Ethics Commission? 
So, um, you know, not reading too much into the ethical screen that uh, Leslie Church is seeking, or even the MP, because MPs in all parties get into trouble. But it, it does seem to happen rather a lot to the Liberal Party. All right, let's turn to another story uh, about the prospect, and you've written about this recently, the prospect of a carbon border tax under a Biden presidency. Uh, How likely is it, how imminent is it that this would be put in place? Well, I think it is inevitable, but it might not be imminent. I mean, Biden's going to have a lot lot of things on his plate when he gets into into office, but it's in his platform that there would be this carbon border adjustment. That essentially means if you're not, um, you know, if you're if you're a polluting country in inverted commas, then you would see a tariff at the U.S. border. You know, while we're not going to see tariffs on the kind of flimsy pretext of national security that we would did with Donald Trump, it is possible that you would see this border adjustment tax. And of course, Canada's uh, oil and gas industry, its oil industry in particular, could be whacked with that because it's the emissions in, in oil sands. Oil are higher than the than the average in in, uh, in the U.S. Now that we do have a, a national price on carbon, which I think would help ameliorate any chances of the, the border tax applying to Canada. The U.S. does not have that, although I think that Biden intends to spend two trillion dollars on infrastructure, electric vehicles, carbon-free power, and so on. And they could turn around and say, "Well, that is effectively a carbon tax." But, uh, you know, this is one that, they, that I know that people inside government are worried about. They're, starting, they're already trying to position Canada as a clean country and try to get in under that umbrella so that if there is a, a, a carbon adjustment tax, that it doesn't apply to Canada. So this is one to watch going forward. And, and the idea of inevitability is because the EU is also looking at carbon border adjustments. So if you start getting the EU and uh, the U.S., uh, imposing these taxes on steel, chemicals, fertilizers, whatever, then you, you suddenly have carbon customs unions, these large trading groups that will trade freely between themselves but will impose taxes on those who are outside. And eventually the idea is that countries around the world will decide, well, we better put a carbon tax on, and at least we're then keeping our own revenues rather than paying the same amount in tariffs to countries that do have carbon taxes. So this is a, a story I think that, that will unravel over the next un- unravel, but unroll over the next uh, few years, and it is something that Canada has to keep an eye on because we do not want to see attacks on everything at the border. All right, John, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great day. Have a good day, Mark. Thanks, John Iveson of the National Post. We all know the virus is surging, so once again, I'm asking all Canadians to please follow your local public health guideline. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues, governments are sending mixed messages on COVID-19 at the worst possible time. The Star writes, when it comes to the pandemic, all levels of government seem to agree that COVID-19 numbers are going in the wrong direction. Unfortunately, when it comes to actually doing something about that, they're all over the map. The danger with mixed messages is that people will gravitate to the one they like the sound of best. The facade of unity between public health officials and all levels of government is falling apart, and it couldn't come at a worse time. In the Globe and Mail, Lawrence Martin argues Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden will restore the Canada-U.S. bond. Martin writes... 
Democrat presidents and liberal prime ministers going back more than a century have enjoyed harmonious relations. For Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau, the history bodes well. There will be ample disagreements. But Trudeau and Biden have similarly centrist political philosophies as well as a warm personal rapport. Those are the two primary prerequisites for successful relations. In The Ottawa Citizen, Terry Glavin argues, with Joe Biden expected to get tough on China, Canada should join the cause. Glavin writes, It might just turn out that Joe Biden will come through with his pledge to mobilize America's allies in a long-overdue determination to stand up to China. It's not just the Americans who are fed up with Beijing. A fundamental consensus that has prevailed among Americans is now drawing in Europe. The democratic world needs to stand up to Xi Jinping's China. It remains to be seen whether Canada will join that consensus or remain an outlier. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The members of the House of Commons Subcommittee on International Human Rights will hold a news conference this morning. And as CPAC's Martin Stringer reports, they'll be talking about a report accusing the Chinese government of genocide. Mark, the Subcommittee on International Human Rights of the House of Commons Foreign Affairs Committee will discuss its report, released a few weeks ago, in which the members of the committee unanimously found that the Chinese Communist Party is guilty of acts of genocide, as defined in international treaties and conventions, in its treatment of its Uyghur and other Turkic Muslim minority groups. The committee examined reports and heard testimony from Uyghurs who had fled the Uyghur Autonomous Region and who spoke of detention, torture, forced sterilization and forced labor, as well as other atrocities. When the content of the committee's report first became known, Chinese officials, including the Chinese ambassador to Canada and foreign affairs officials in Beijing, roundly condemned the report and accused the Canadian government and the committee of being misled and unjustly trying to discredit the Chinese government. And it said the committee's statements and report were jeopardizing Canada-China relations. So, Mark, it will be interesting to see what the committee members from all parties have to say today at their press conference, faced with a strong pushback from China. The press conference also comes as yesterday the entire opposition in the Hong Kong government resigned en bloc to protest arrests, charges, detentions and intimidation by the government in Beijing. The press conference also comes as two Canadians unjustly imprisoned in China, Michael Spaffer and Michael Koverig, just marked their 700th day of detention. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the King of Jordan. Before hosting a call with provincial and territorial premiers, he will then take part in a virtual roundtable on labour with local union members, followed by a virtual roundtable on COVID-19 with healthcare workers. This evening, the Prime Minister will take part in a virtual Diwali celebration hosted by Public Services Minister Anita Anand. The Prime Minister's Special Advisor for the Prairies, Jim Carr, will outline federal support to help Alberta businesses weather the economic impacts of COVID-19. Infrastructure Minister Catherine McKenna will attend an infrastructure event for public transit. The Minister will also attend an infrastructure event with Minister of Seniors Deb Schulte. Government House Leader Pablo Rodriguez will hold a virtual news conference to announce support for the Quebec fish and seafood industry. Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will make an announcement to help protect and conserve fresh water. Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau will highlight investments to nine food processors in the Laval and Montreal region. And the leader of the Bloc Québécois, Yves-François Blanchet, 
will attend meetings with the Quebec Chamber of Commerce and Industry, the Board of Directors of Jean Lesage International Airport, and the Mayor of Quebec City. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, November the 12th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.